Welcome back to the Kitchen Table Podcast. We're here with episode two at the South Bend Firefighters Local 362. I had to take a look. I forgot the number already. For part two, uh, and we're going to dive right back into it, Dale. Yeah, absolutely. Part two. I mean, when we opened this, we said we'll probably go along, but this is awesome. It's been some great conversation. Um, I had all these questions <laughs> written down, typed up, all nice and professional because I'm the organizer of the you group. You are the organizer. <laughs> uh, which is, some people out there go, whoa. <laughs> that or, that group is horrible. Because if you saw my uh, training chief office, it was not organized He's probably at all. got like four of his engine guys doing it for him. Oh, yeah. I guarantee it. There's chair. no what doubt about it. Yeah. The three I mean, of the medicurus laminating <laughs> him. I mean, somebody's got to make my espresso with the department provided espresso right. machine. And, you know, no, just joking. But we, we've had some great conversation. We've gone off. Even the introduction yeah. ended yep. up spearing it. And that's what's, hey, that's what we do around the table, right? We, yep. we end up talking about this and we move on to this. And I always talk about, uh, you know, we use YouTube when it's cold out and do some, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, arriving videos. We don't tear apart what they're doing, but how we would react and how we, where we would stretch a line, where we're going to possibly mm -hmm. search, things like that. Uh, and it's a great tool, but then, Next thing you know, we're watching babies farting. You know, what's your view history? It gets deleted. <laughs> but um, so, I'm going to take this a little differently. We're not going to ask all these these questions because I really have enjoyed the the off candor conversations. Um, but I do want this one. You hear a lot about generations. X, Y, Z, boomers, all that. Um, in the episode we recently did, uh, we got a retired IFD chief, and he talked about when he came on in 78, he was working not only with Vietnam vets, but World War II vets. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, whew, could you imagine sitting around the table and talking to them? He said, we didn't do it enough. We didn't mm -hmm. do it enough. And it's like, so we have those regrets. So that's, that's part of this is let's capture these stories. Let's capture uh, people's voices before they're no longer around us anymore. Yeah. Get their slideshows. But we always talk about generations. How do we teach to this new generation? And you guys have been, how many years you've been hiring 18-year-olds? Since 2012. 2012. Say, was it 2012, 13, somewhere in there, yeah. There's, there's a, not that we're the most mature people at my age, but there's some maturity in life experience. I mean, a lot of us came in, we, we did a trade for a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's bagging groceries or roofing or painting, I mean, when you got that job at the fire department, you're like, man, I appreciate this. I don't have to go freeze, you know, for eight, ten hours a day um, and get wet. So, and people always, this next generation. Well, guess what? I was that generation at one time. Sure. That mm -hmm. was the generation that followed this generation. Um, so let's have that conversation. How, how are we, do we change our ways? Do we change the way we teach? Do we um, just throw everything <laughs> away and start over? Or is it a mixture of it? And it's we've got- Mixture of it all. I'll, I'll, I'll jump right in on that And one. how many generations do we have here? Because I know you and I'm, I are in the I same. Say I'm 56. Yeah. Born in the 60s. I'm, I'm yeah. a Gen X. We're yeah. the same. So, yeah, 40s. So, millennial right here. Yep. <laughs> there we go. 
Adam no idea. I was on my left, one on the right. But uh, uh, to, to your one question, do we change ways? If you aren't, then you're no longer relevant. Yes. If you aren't changing how we deliver what we're doing, I mean, we've learned our own stuff now. So back in our day, we were taught see this, do this, right? Yep. And you know, that was, I, I already said in the last episode, this is that's something that bugs me. I got to know why. I don't care that that's what we do, but I need to know why we do that, right? And so we need to understand how we're delivering our material. But nowadays, we've got so many more studies. We got so much more ULNIS to give us the science of why we were seeing flow path. We didn't call it flow path right. back then. Now we have a there. title for it, right? It was there though. It was there. We were talking about it, but not in that term. So if we aren't uh, continually staying current with what is actually out there, which also means how do I reach my workforce? And it's not, I, I, I always hate the problem of this, and I can do this because I can yell at the old guys because I'm on that group anymore. And that is, well, why do we got to do this? Well, you're just saying that because you're too lazy to learn. You want to sit back on the fact that you've had a good, great career for 20, 25 years, maybe up to 30 years. And you don't want to learn something new today. And so you want all the young guys, I want my millennials now to learn the way I learned, do things the way I did. Yeah. I'm like, but if you think about it, dude, we don't do things now off your fire truck. You don't have the same hose. You don't have the same nozzles. You aren't sizing up that building the same. We aren't attacking it the same. We are doing things the same. <laughs> we are riding tailboard. We, I had open cab trucks. Uh, on South Bend, the, the, the driver and the officer had cab. We were out and back in the rain and the snow, standing up, watching the road when, and having a good time. When you pulled the three-quarter boots up, it was a good worker. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you know, we've made our transitions in my career. So to think that we shouldn't make adjustments to the new generation and the way that these guys, they're not dumb, they're not lazy, they've just found quicker ways to find some of the answers that us old guys would sit around the table because we didn't have Google and we debate the dumbest things yes. that make no damn sense whatsoever because you can't prove me wrong, yeah. right? But the one thing we did do is somebody was standing in front of a crowd Instructing, yes. we automatically assume they were the master of that subject. Correct. Oh, it's the 50 mile rule. Yes. So, yes. we probably yes. talked about yes. this before. Yeah. You know, when we talked about how I got involved in instruction, um, one of the other ways I did it was I met Ron Smith mm. um, and Steve Harmon. And um, Steve Harmon gave me my first ever teaching job over in uh, District 1 through Mike Parks. They both yeah. kind of gave me that opportunity. But then I met Ron Smith. And um, or G Ron or Mayor of FDIC, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> training seconds. Um, you know, and, and I'll be honest with you, that dude took me places, and he allowed me to ride his coattail. And the one thing that he told me right out of the gate, and it's been true the entire time, is like, listen, man, you have a voice when you travel more than 50 miles outside of your home organization, because I can travel to any any organization, whether it's in the state of Maine where I've done uh, training, or or if it's in Virginia where I'm from, or Indiana or Wisconsin, wherever I go, people will look at me and be like, oh, you're South Bend Fire, that's good enough, right? However, the guys and gals here in the city, uh -huh. they've seen me drop the lighter on my head. <laughs> they, they've seen me lose a hose line. You yeah. know, they, they've seen me fail on multiple times. And so your, your reputation as an instructor is directly proportional to how far away you are from your home yes. organization. Yep. And so if you, that's where I've kind of pivoted now. I don't travel outside and teach anymore because the only people's opinion I care about are the people I work with. Yeah. And um, 
I, 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 I find it very interesting, and, and I won't throw any names out there, but you go to National Fire Academy, you go to all these places, and you hear about these big names in the American Fire Service, and, and then you meet somebody from their home organization, oh, yeah. and you're like, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Are you, like, dude, they've done more damage to, our own, to their own organization than they've done good. And then you start hearing some of the stories about where they come from, and you're like, what the, who give this person a platform? But yet here they are selling their message. They can't do it in their home organization right. or their home mm -hmm. community, but they have to travel out and do it. And so I think vetting your instructors is, is pretty important. Uh, you know, I, I'm at the point now in my career where if I'm going to bite on what it is you're selling, I'm going to do some research before I mm -hmm. take it. So to turn that into this, this modern generation, we have to be that validated mm. instructor for, the, for these kids because they're going to find out real quick if we're full of shit or not. Yep. And um, so I, I think that matters like when you reinvest back in your home organization, your reputation within your home organization, everything else will, will, will fall into place after that. But um, I mean, it's cool if you wanna be on the national circuit, but I don't, I don't care what somebody That's 200 miles away thinks. Mm -hmm. I care about what the people I work and serve with care or what they think. Um, you know, and I got a good reputation internally as a paramedic, and it wasn't because I was a good paramedic. My skills last Friday <laughs> would prove that. <laughs> um, but I got, a, I got a reputation as a good paramedic because I worked with excellent paramedics. So I worked with Craig Fruth, with Steve Downey, with Jared Parrish, and we complemented each other very well. And we weren't afraid to pull the trigger on advanced aggressive treatments, just like we weren't afraid to go kick in a door and go do a search. Um, and so when you can back up the message you're selling with the actions that you do on a regular basis, that helps. And that's how we get through to these kids in this modern generation is, first off, it's not a generational issue. It's an old fart issue, <laughs> right? <love> it. <laughs> and, and we have to adapt and we have to meet them. Because if they're gonna carry the mission when we leave, if we didn't bring it to them, they're not, we can't expect them to carry it. Well, and you know, you can't, have some of the mechanical abilities that the guys before us or some of us had i i mean they don't make cars the same you don't turn <laughs> wrenches on cars so we lose some of that mechanical aptitude yep uh one of the things that we had to do when we were teaching like vehicle machinery is we made a nut and bolt board with metric and sae i mean mm -hmm. it's like because you you teach one class and you're like hey go get me a crescent wrench and they're like what's that what's yeah. that and it's like yeah. You wouldn't think that you have to teach that, but if we didn't change and actually provide that instruction, sure. they're not gonna get it. Right. Well, they're not gonna. And they don't, we don't need it. I mean, the need to teach internal combustion engine maintenance is, is slowly evaporating through yes. the fire service. Our, our hydraulic power tools are now battery powered. Yeah. Our saws are already starting to turn into battery powered. Our, our fans are already battery powered. Don't you have so, a generator on apparatus anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, you can't even park a rig now for more than 10 minutes without it shutting down and going on electric. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have to evolve. Yeah. The tools are changing. We have to change with it. Yeah, and, and, and it's like, you know, evolving towards the generation, different generations and their styles mm -hmm. is, you know, you know, fires times 10. It's not double every minute now, now it's times yeah. 10. Yeah. So yeah. if we don't evolve with that, we're gonna keep right. burning houses down and go, geez, 
Well, we did the best we could. If we if we don't <laughs> if we don't get faster, I mean, we just did a what a year long fourteen month search and rescue program for the mm. for the agency, and uh, that, that whole premise of that was just getting into those survivable spaces and searching, and and we got a little bit of flack from it uh, from some of the senior individuals, um, and and some more of the maybe cautious individuals within the organization. But as soon as we almost wrapped up that training we we had a, a lake effect meeting so we went to the local water hole afterwards and uh we're imbibing and then greg and i get a notice that there's a fire just down the street of course we didn't go but then there's entrapment and the next thing you know we're, we're hearing messages that engine nine a single engine they have an ambo in their house but single engine house made two grabs had them in the back of the ambulance and transported in less than what it's like three minutes. It was like three minutes, yeah. And uh, with three people, a three three person yeah. engine, three person engine, two person ambo. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's when it matters, yeah. right? So when when you see those successes come out of uh, the hard work that that these individuals put forth um, and see it materialize, and there's individuals walking around today because of the training that we implemented during that search and rescue program. So um, that's cool to see, and that that breathes brings me an immense amount of satisfaction. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and, and now side with the old guys. We do have to change, we have to keep up with the times, right? At the same time, the young guy, just like we've already talked about in the previous episode about all these black and white pictures and all the giants that we yes. followed, right? And uh, that two of my mentors right there in that picture there that brought me up in this fire service and taught me how to do the job that I've been doing for 31 years, they need to respect that. Yes. They don't. They can't come in and assume I'm going to change to meet you. They need to come in and realize, yes, you have a new approach on how you learn and how you approach the fire service and that the fire service going forward is going to change even more. But you need to respect where we came from. Mm -hmm. You need to respect how we got where we are today, how you got to be a part of a department and a part of what we all wanted to aspire to from day one, and that is the family. You don't just join a family and you're automatically accepted. Yeah. And we or we have to change the way we've always done things so that you can be accepted. No, you have to respect where we came from and how we got where we are today and realize you need to become a part of us. You don't have to change to become a part of us, but you gotta become a part of us. We don't just automatically assume you're a part of us. And so the young guy's gotta take his side. It's a 50-50, man. You gotta bring both groups, old and young, have to bring their side. I'd probably timestamp that. That'd be a great little snippet. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a teaser. Give me your pen. That'd be for Tara. Yeah. Well, so, that being said, adding on to that, I think when you're trying to do different generations, you need to make sure you have those different generations in your training program. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because, yeah. you know, you know, I could look at Greg Grant, you know, I've known him well here and I'll trust and respect anything he does. But if I was just coming into a new, I might not be like as willing to accept the message because he may not know how to talk to me right. But, you know, if you get somebody, you know, like if I look at Derek, you know, obviously I respect Derek, you know, we're similar in age and all that. I can put a little trust forward without having known the history of them, you know. You, you trust someone in your own age range. I think that's just, mm -hmm. not even your age range, but your demographics, things like that. You trust somebody who's similar to you before you trust someone else. Sure. I, I would like to know what Derek drinks. 
because he looks younger than anybody here. No shit. Success to that. My he's got a killer stat. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I don't know if there's any success to that. Yeah. I mean, I'm 44, so. But uh, no, Chief, I'm going to go back to something you said. When we started this, we've had Bobby Eckert on. We've had Robert Lee on. But the whole point of this was we wanted to showcase Indiana firemen. Mm-hmm. Sure. That, that's what we wanted. You know, we're, we're proud of this state, the people that come from here. So we want to showcase our our legends, our, you know, the yep. guys that we look up to. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, that was spot on. When you said that, I'm like, that's exactly, that's what we were wanting this podcast to be about. Right and, and this department is full of legends. Uh-uh. I mean, so many people that I'd never worked with that I wish I got to work with. Yeah. We were talking about one earlier, Panino, Captain Panino, man. <laughs> I don't know anybody that is doesn't Put that that gentleman on a, on a pedestal and would follow them th- follow him through the the depths of hell. Um, on the job right now, I mean, we still got a bunch. There's mm-hmm. there's there's and I, I was on spent my entire career before selling my soul uh, <laughs> on a shift. So I'm you know there's a bunch of a shifters out there that that I really respect. Um, Troy Platts is one of them. He's now the safety guy uh, on the a shift. Uh, Rick Borden is one. Uh, Eric Navorsky. Uh, he was one of them that made the grab. Uh, with Engine 9 the other day. He spent most of his career on rescue. Um, and I have fought with every one of these individuals, tooth and nail. But at the end of the day, your performance on the fire ground. Jared Parrish is, is, is becoming a legend. Little Johnny Kersitz is becoming a legend. His dad was a legend. But I, I, think, it's, I think Johnny is going to surpass his dad just with the, the intelligent fire ground decisions that he makes. Um, the way that he's passionate about the service and and as he continues to mature as a company boss, uh, I like where he's at. And then there's the people that's in my circle. Um, and, you know, there's the, the Van Brinis, the Urquharts, um, whom I'm, there's you. Uh, who else am I missing? Wait, thank you. <laughs> but there, this organization is full of, of amazing role models that the individuals want nothing more than to just do the job. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, teach the next person underneath them to do the job. Uh, yeah, we've, we've got an organization full of heavy hitters. And, and that's, I want everybody to surpass me. Oh, yeah. I think I've done well in the fire service. I want everybody to surpass me. I want my son to surpass me. I know he will. He's smarter oh, he right sure now will. than I was <laughs> at that age. Um, he will surpass me. For sure. Um, and I'm happy for it, but I also want him to do it, getting his own name. Sure. Yeah. Not, yeah. And that's he's on a different shift than me. Our organization, he'll never work on my shift. Be mm-hmm. assigned to it. Um, but you know, make his own name. I want young firefighters become old firefighters, sure. and, and, yeah. and enjoy a retirement. Mm-hmm. We don't get to enjoy retirements very often because we work till. Way, way too, too long. Way too long. Um, but I've always, I've known South Bend through Brandon. Don't know a lot of people that work here. But it, Brandon, South Bend's always been that one department that I knew had tradition. I mean, yeah. there's, there's a heritage yeah. up here, the tradition. 
but I also know there's progressiveness. Most people, we pull up on an, I'm gonna look at the engine guys over here, not bosses. We pull up on an EMS call with an engine. How many times do you hear, I didn't call for the fire department? All the time. All the time. So I, you know, you probably explained, hey, this, this is what you get. You get a responsive engine, we got an ambulance coming, or if it's not already there, it's there. Um, and they're like, oh, okay. But if their house is on fire, and you pull up and you can't pull a hose line, you can't stretch flowing, you can't get in the building, you can't hook a hydrant, they're really gonna be surprised, oh, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, th those are things, whether it's Gen X, Gen Y, Baby Boomer, or Millennials, or the next one coming up, yeah. it doesn't matter any of that. We got to teach the basics. Yep. So, a good point, I had to laugh because I went to a, a, <laughs> a job I was speaking. <laughs> and, no, as soon as you said that, it made me think, I went to a job fair recently, and um, you know, you go to these college shops. Are you shop looking fairs. to go somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. No, so like. Breaking news. I don't know if I've said this already while we've been recording, but uh, as a training chief, it's, it, you know, everybody's having our, our hiring pool is shallower and shallower. And that's everywhere, fire service wide, right? So one of my jobs is hiring and, and recruitment and retention. And so I spend about 75% of my time, if not more than that, than I, working on that stuff than I do the training stuff. Um, and so I'm at this job fair and I'm doing the recruitment thing and I had this kid who's comes up to me and he, he's expressing interest in the fire service and he goes, um, yeah, I just, I don't really like talking to people though. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, this is not the job for you. Yep. And, and I think that's one thing uh, that we need to be is we need to be a lot more honest and forthright, you know, and it's cool if we can sell all the, the cool shit at the job, right? But there's a, there's a lot of stuff that, that we have to be honest with you know like oh yeah you're going to ride the ambo and and you're going to you're going to do 4500 run reports a year um and you know you're going to you're going to respond to notre dame on a home game seven times <laughs> after, after the game and that's just your rig not to mention all the other rigs that are going to pick up uh you know our our alumni <laughs> but uh, all that all that being said one of the things that we've implemented into our hiring process now is not only do they take a, an academic written exam, but they also complete a, behavior, a behavioral assessment. And it really assesses on how well they'll fit into the South Bend Fire Department in the role of a firefighter advanced EMT. And part of that is communication. And so if they don't have that communication skill set, uh, we, we, we see people that are a lot more introverted and or um, just really, really quiet and reserved, the inability to express themselves. We see that a lot more in this emerging workforce, and those people really struggle within the organization. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's something I think we do, speaking of traditions, we need to hold on to. We need to bring or continue to reinforce that firehouse lifestyle. Um, and, and I get everybody's got a special needs diet now, but you know, <laughs> oh at, at 1800, <laughs> We're all sitting together at the kitchen table. Yes. Yeah. Whether you're bringing uh, you know, it in or not. Yeah. Whether you're yeah. bagging it or you're eating yeah. with the guys. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. or you're not eating at all because you're doing your your fast. I, I don't yeah. care, but you're going to sit down with yes. Yeah. Hundred um, percent. And and sometimes that's a couple meals a day, um, but that kind of stuff needs to be reinforced in, into the firehouse because it only builds trust and it only builds those relationships, um, and that is really so. I, I think it's less about teaching to the younger generation. And it's more about hiring the right kids 
who are willing to hear the message. Wow, um, that's that's another. Well, you might want to write that one down too. <laughs> well, and, and then on the back end of that, once they get an assignment, putting them in an environment that they're going to thrive, where you have a company boss and a senior person who's going to make that individual thrive. We, my my last senior guy, Chris Binion, uh, holy crap. I actually, the only, my only experience with him prior to him getting assigned to my firehouse was we got in a fight in the back of an ambulance. <laughs> so he was on a different shift, and I didn't like the guy. I didn't like him. Uh, he comes into my firehouse. He now comes in with more tenure than anybody else. He's now the senior guy. And, and in my house, the senior guy ran the firehouse. So um, I did the paperwork. I'll do all the, the administrative BS, and, and I'll do the captain role on the fire ground. But the senior person runs that firehouse. And... Um, I never had it any better. Like that, you, when you were talking about a battalion chief not knowing you're gone, that was having a senior person like yeah. like Chris Binion, um, and that guy could communicate with anybody across any racial uh, uh, speed bumps, any sort of demographic speed bumps. He come from the uh, Oakland area, mm -hmm. so I mean he's, he's got a vast background. But that man can communicate with anybody, and that carried over into the probies that came into the firehouse. Can he speak Spanish? I'm sure he can. A little bit, yeah. Enough to communicate with an EMS patient. Just add O's at the end of everything? Pretty much. That's what one of the guys <laughs> guy. I can speak Spanish. Where O do you sleep O? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're deaf. Just talk louder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I have a kid that will literally scream on an EMS run to a patient. I'm like, hey, dude, they're not deaf. <laughs> like, yeah. What, yeah. Why are you yelling at them? <laughs> and even if they are, then it really doesn't help. Yeah. 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 They're hungry. No, agreed. <laughs> agreed. Yeah. You do. I mean, um, in, uh, in our old central station, um, <clears throat> and they got tore down in 04, um, it was a shithole. It was dirty. <laughs> It was tiny. But you probably miss it. Oh, boy, do I miss it. <laughs> it was so small on the amp floor. Truck one would be sitting there. Engine one would be sitting there. The captain's door of the truck would be open. The uh, engineer's drawer of the engine one, and they overlapped. <laughs> they were that close together. Yeah. Um, so, but we did. There was three places we all hung out in the, in, the, in the station. We either hung out in the kitchen, right? We had an app floor table, right? We called it smoker's lounge because when I got on, they had just, yeah. they had just passed, uh, you can't smoke in the station, but, but in the, the bay you could. The bay you could. And so uh, it was nothing to come in on a, on a uh, in the evening, maybe you're working a second half of a shift for a guy or something like that, and you'd come in in the wintertime, so the doors have been all shut down like this, and the smoke is banked down to waist level, and it's cigar smoke, <laughs> yeah. and cigarette smoke, and yeah. it's everything. <laughs> hey, guys! Who's that? You know, uh, Twice a year, you right. know, replace the ceiling tiles and clean the nicotine exactly. off the tracks. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Uh, or our watch office, which was this tiny little, we always had to have somebody up front answering the phone or answering the front door 24-7 if you weren't on runs. And, uh, you know, that was their job. Uh, phone rang in the middle of the night. That was pre-cell phone days. They'd have to come into the big bedroom, find out which bed you slept in, wake you up. Hey, you got a phone call. Yep. You know, family members, that's how they got a hold of you. That's stuff like that. And we were in one of those three places, always. That little tiny watch office barely had room for a <laughs> twin bed and two old, not even recliners, just two old chairs. And you'd get six guys stuck in that room to watch a game, yeah. you know, or a or movie, or just to sit around and bullshit with each other. Um, but it was sitting around with the old guys. 
and it was learning the stories from the old guys. Getting that slide tray out of their head. Exactly. And sure, it's like you were referencing off uh, off recording, you know, you start with a YouTube video, next thing you know, you got babies farting, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, it's the same thing with these guys. You would go from a, a hilarious story busting one guy's balls, right? About he called in sick to go out fishing because the perch were hitting in Lake Michigan, <laughs> got so drunk he forgot he called in sick and he came to the station to clean the fish. <laughs> you know, he's on the he's on station still today. <laughs> he's on ship still today. He's hilarious. Um, but then it would go to a fire call. Then it would go to an extrication call. Then it would go to an medical call. And then it would go to this happened and this happened. And for the young guy on the job, especially at that time, um, because I started at this station and left and then came back to the station as an officer when I first got captain, it was more about the mindset of the firefighter, of what it took to survive to be a firefighter. (laughs) Because you were dealing with public that don't love you. Not surviving flames. Not surviving the flames, surviving the job. And surviving practical jokes being played on you. Surviving uh, um, uh, bad meals, no meals, because you were so busy all day. The only thing you got was a cold McDonald's hamburger that was two hours old. We would just have our uh, chef redo something. Right, I figured you guys would. Yeah, yeah, redo that espresso because you had a chance to finish it. And bougie. Yeah. Um, and so it was more about that, and that was the culture. That was what established the brotherhood and the and the sisterhood and the the family came from that. And as the right young generation today is being brought into the fire service, they need to understand that. And it's our job as trainers to help instill that so that they never let it down. They realize there's a, there's a reputation that's now gonna be their job to maintain and exceed and push it past us. And I want, I want guys coming out as Derek retires and at his retirement dinner, they're going, yeah, that training you put on 10 years ago was a turning point in my career, yeah. right? That's and yet to Derek, it's just another episode of training from the Southland Fire Department Training Bureau. Yes, we put our heart and soul into it. We never know who we're reaching that day. And it, I, I want I want to come back to Derek's retirement dinner and hang out with him and hear somebody say that. You know, because I know it's going to happen. And same it's going to happen for Nick. Uh, maybe for boss, I don't know. Um, <laughs> You know, um, that's where the fire service comes from, right? And so we got to, our, our generational, it isn't generational. It's no different than they used to bust my balls getting on the job uh-huh. as a young guy coming on. And um, and calling, what are these young kids working today? Man, they don't know shit, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. It was the same thing back then. It's going to be the same thing 20 years from now. So it's not a generational issue. It's we got to understand each other. And once we understand that and we help instill them the confidence and the history, of where they came from and why you want to be proud of where you work, this is how you became proud of where you work and the title that's on your shirt. You, you can't win them all, but it's kind of like your home life, right? So you're a parent and the environment that you create with your kid. I'm not a parent, by the way, so I'm talking out my ass. <laughs> you got fur babies. Yeah. So, but you're a parent, but the environment that you create within your home is all that individual is ever going to know and all that individual is ever going to experience. So if you don't have that loving, welcoming friendship, and, and, and the fire service has a totally different definition than what it is in the, Ooh, in the yeah. house. Um, but it's there. But, but you know, that's that has to exist. And, um, 
Yeah, I mean, we can't say the things that we used to say. We have to be a little bit more disciplined about the words that we choose. Which is uh, not a bad and, thing. And the things that we do. It's yeah. not a bad thing. We, we can't dump water on people anymore because, you know, in 1996, it, it, it might cost you, if it blew my contacts out, you know, it, it might cost me one contact. Yeah. Now it's $10,000 worth of electronic equipment that I yes. carry on me at all times, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. So the cost versus benefit. And somebody will be allergic to water at some uh, point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Somebody's going to be there. Yeah. So, um, you know. I mean, and, and you talk about, you know, sitting around and the, the generation. I mean, I, I do love having a separate bunk room. I, mm -hmm. I love that because, you know, we know about sleep deprivation and sure. the risk to cardiac if you know you're not getting your sleep and all that and i know we get woke up in the middle of the night but it's so easy for us in the new firehouses for people to get away and never get that cohesiveness sure. yeah that you only see somebody when it's time to eat mm -hmm. or when you go on a run and all that whereas before you had six people in a 10 by 10 room yeah and they had to know each other and mm -hmm. yeah if 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 that's happening in your firehouse it's not the new generation's fault. No, nope. it's your fault because I you're the agree. one creating that environment. Yeah, I um, agree. And I have that incur in my firehouse, and um, and it's easy to learn from your mistakes. But if if somebody's not willing to hang out with you, it's because they don't like you, or or it's a sign of an underlying issue that maybe we should yeah, be figuring exactly. out. Exactly. And yeah. the only way we want to do it is face to face. Um, Fortunately, with my crew, I know that if somebody disappears in their bedroom, there's something going on. Sure. Right. There's something home. There's mm -hmm. something going on. Mm -hmm. uh, when we built this firehouse, I intentionally refused to put cable jacks or a outlet on the wall to hang TVs. Sure. We eliminated that from the firehouse because I didn't want TVs in the bunk room. I mean, yeah. in, mm -hmm. in the bedroom. So. Sure. Um, some people still brought their own TVs yeah, sure, and sure, projectors yeah. in their game systems and all that. Captain, no fun. <laughs> yeah. We have fun. We play marbles and games around the table. <laughs> yeah, but um, but uh, you got you know, especially uh, Nick. You know, you're the one gener. Well, there's two generations. But as far as the guests, you're the oddball, odd man out. I've been used to have a whole life. <laughs> <laughs> what What did you experience? Did you have issues learning from yeah. you know one of our generations I, I would say of course I mean you're always gonna have a little bit yes um, I mean with the way I grew up you know with my dad and actually I used to work for my dad uh, at a garage so I got to learn thick skin really really young <laughs> <laughs> so that, I think that helped me out immensely when I came to the fire department was you know they do everything I'm like oh okay this is nothing you know, so Grand Torino is real, the way they talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah, I mean, just when I first got on, you know, the senior guys, they're just intimidating. It's like, ah, dude, I don't know. He's telling me to do this. Okay, I'll do it. But like, you know, Greg made mention of why. I, I don't know why I'm doing it. He just told me to do it. And so that kind of made it a little difficult coming right out of the gate uh, to kind of learn from him. But the more you sat around, the more you talked to people. I mean, we always kind of confide back to our rookie school brothers, like, hey, dude, you know what's going on here, you know? And it's just, and I got lucky too with the fact that in my recruit school, I was the baby. I was just turned 22, and everybody, I think the average age was actually like 30. Yeah. So, I mean, I came in, I mean, I worked my whole life, but uh, yeah, I had other people like, yeah, dude, you'll get used to this, you know, 
working other fire departments and all that. So they, they would kind of help me out along the way to get to the point where I could actually take the lessons learned from, you know, my first company officers and, you know, the drivers in the back seats and who to follow, who not to follow. And I think that's an important part too, is not just blindly following anyone, listening to the guys at the station and letting them guide you where you need to go. Let me ask Derek. <clears throat> Derek, as, as a company boss amongst us, is probably... <laughs> Derek looks nervous. Yeah. <laughs> um, Derek's known as, as running a very disciplined firehouse. Do you find that that helps in that regard? <clears throat> I mean, I, I do. But that's probably my personal opinion as well, though. So, not everybody likes it, but it's clear standards of where I'm coming from. Um, you know, do I want you in uniform at 7 o'clock? Yeah, I mean, some there's other shifts, whatever. They might sit around till 7.30, whatever, drinking coffee and stuff, but I'm like, we can do the same thing, but be ready to go. So, station cleaning, station chores, I'm nitpicky on that. Yeah, I'll admit that. But <clears throat> I think it's setting us up for success. You know, it's the whole back of the book, make your bed, make your own bed. Set yourself up for success. That did, at the end of the day, hey, that call came in at 701, we're ready to go. You know, I had my shit on the, the truck, was in uniform, um, there was no delay. And it carries over to the fire ground, because when we watch these videos of like Engine 2's first do, you see mm -hmm. fast appointments, you see fast size ups, you see fast water on fire. You see them through the door, and I'm going to blow smoke up his ass because he's here. And I kind of set him up for this, but <laughs> you, you're known as for running a disciplined firehouse, and I think that it really carries over into the street um, when it comes time to do the job. And I've witnessed it from mm -hmm. from behind the TV screen, um, and I'll put your company against anybody's. Now, is that something it, that you are you mimicking somebody? I mean, were, you know what I'm you know what I'm trying to say. I think it was kind of finding my own way and being thrown into it. I mean, yeah. there's was several people that are not on the job anymore, so feel fine saying this, that were not good officers that I had. <laughs> you learn a lot from yeah, ours. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you mm -hmm. learn stuff from good officers, you learn a lot more from bad officers sometimes. Um, and I just knew if I was ever going to be in charge and be an officer, I mean, there was just going to be things that I was going to do a certain way. I was going to have the standards. I mean, listening to other podcasts and, and reading it, I don't make this shit up as I go. I mean, <laughs> I do it from learning, right? I mean, anything. We're doing a fire officer one class right now. It's like, I don't know everything there is to know, but I'm putting my nose in a book to figure it out, right? I'm learning from other people, taking things that they did, listening to podcasts, watching videos, taking other classes. So, um, but a lot of it comes down to just, you need to know the SOPs and follow the SOPs, and then enforce them, right? I mean, that's what our job is as an officer. It's to follow and enforce the SOPs, and that's really all I'm doing. I'm not taking anything that's rocket mm -hmm. science. It's what the admin expects us to do as an officer, mm -hmm. and it's just what I expect my crew to do. We're gonna be squared away. We're gonna be ready to go when the time comes and make sure everybody's on the same page. You know, it goes back, and the generation thing, I mean, I've got a, a 20-year-old kid right now assigned to me that um, out of this last rookie school. So, you know, seeing him, I think it's a lot about the person. You know, there's people that have been on the job a long time that maybe don't want to be as involved, and there's new people that might not want to be involved as well. So, I mean, there's 
similarities and differences to all generations. Yeah. A little bit of that, I think, is where you come from and how you're how you're brought up and how you're how you grow up. My father was in my ass all the time. You know, as soon as you turn 16, you're getting a job. You're yep. gonna work. You're gonna do this. You're gonna do that. You're gonna learn. You're gonna figure it out. And I see that in this kid. I mean, he he's worked jobs, luckily, in labor, doing landscaping or driving a tow truck. So it's I think his parents set him up for success. It's carrying over to the fire service a little bit because you know what? He comes in. He's ready to learn. He wants to learn. Um, he's in tune with what's going on, sitting around the table, hearing from other people, wants to do training. So, you know, I think a lot of it's your personality and where you came from, I think, too. Absolutely. Well, the one thing I found out in talking to people and being a company officer myself, because especially the ones that I see, they bid off rigs and be like, that's interesting. Why did they bid off? Why did they bid off to go to a slower rig? Is it because they're unmotivated? Well, what I'm finding out a lot of times is they're like, I keep getting yelled at for not performing, but no one's ever told me my expectations. Mm -hmm. No, I set the standards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Told and you clear expectations. Yeah, I'm, I'm supposed to figure it out on my own. So it's really big for me to sit down with that person day one when they come in the firehouse Here's the expectations. We're going to train. We're going to eat together. We're going to do our duties. We're going to get on the rig efficiently. We're going to take care of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Um, mm -hmm. Those things. An example is uh, when we still had the ambulance at my firehouse, uh, part-time EMT came in. This part-time EMT, I sat down night one. He came in. He only, they only worked 12 hours. Came in night one. This part-time EMT, he was the son of the fire chief. <laughs> so, so, come in. He sat down, and I didn't know him. I knew of him. I watched him grow up. I just didn't know him. Mm -hmm. And he came in. He was already sweating through a shirt. <laughs> he <laughs> was like so me. nervous. <clears throat> and we sat down, and we talked about expectations. And I told him, I said, your dad may be the fire chief, and run the apartment, but he doesn't run the, this shift, this station, and nothing goes past me. And I never had a bit of trouble from that kid. As a matter of fact, I love that kid to, to death. He's such a good kid. Other than the fact he chose the police department route. But, uh, yeah. But he is at Speedway, and he gets to pull his gun quite frequently and chase people. But, uh, but it's that expectation. And, you know, but in my mind, if a young kid, his dad's the fire chief, I already had a preconceived bias on this kid sure. that was unwarranted. Mm -hmm. So bad on me, but we called another play. Sure. And it worked out. And, you know, like I said, uh, every time I see that kid, it's a bro hug and all that. He doesn't work with us anymore. Mm -hmm. He's moved on. But, uh, you know, it's, a, it's, it's clear expectations, getting those laid out because you don't want people to second guess on the scene. Yeah. Well, and, and I think inconsistency is going to cause people to, to bounce houses too Yeah. Um, or continuously search. So organizationally, if I've got you're running your firehouse your way, you're running it your way, and you're running it completely different, then there's no standard across the board and so the expectations vary from house to house, from shift to shift, to company to company. 
Um, and there's you're always going to have an element of that, right? Um, but when it's blatant that this captain's short time in it and doesn't care to invest in their employees or their, or their subordinates, or this battalion chief is not visiting the firehouses and, and is trying to establish relationships with those companies, everybody suffers all the way down. And just like if I'm not making the effort, and I'm bad about this because, you know, I'm a paper pusher. Um, and I do that in quotation marks because I am. That, that's my job. My job is to push papers. But if I can't find the time to get to the training center, then people will only ever see me as a paper pusher. Mm -hmm. And so when I go to talk about life in the firehouse, I'm, again, disconnected. And I don't know what they're dealing with. Um, so there has to be accountability and consistency across the board. And it starts at the top and rolls all the way down. Well, I want to go. I'm going to ask Derek a question. One of those, I think I already know the answer. No, Derek. No, 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 no. I'm just going to have you speak on this one. So you got to the point where you've set kind of specific rules and expectations in your firehouse. When you're the, you're the company boss, you're the senior captain at twos, so kind of oversees the other two ships a little bit, but they got independent captains and stuff. Do you guys have lieutenants? We, no. It's all, captains, it's all captains, but one's a senior captain that runs the uh, house. Uh, kind, of. kind of. It's, it's a loose title. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, you developed this particular type of style due to a lack of that growing up under other captains. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say. Yeah, okay, that's exactly what I figured. And which points to, and we know Sounds it. Sounds like he's getting deposed. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, no shit. The lawyer never asked a question, doesn't have an answer to it, okay? Um, we at South Bend have been horrible. And now this is not South Bend unique. This is, this is system-wide, this is fire service-wide, right? We have been horrible about nurturing our leadership, right? We give a guy a, 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 a gold badge just because he's been here long enough, right? And hasn't, hasn't fucked up enough, bad enough. I fucked up. I still got a gold badge. Anyway. Um, Sometimes it was a way to promotion. It, it was at one time. Yeah, yeah. The joke was if you haven't read Let us introduce you to the Nick. Yeah, exactly. um, and uh, so we have failed to. Um, and then where part of the failures, part of the kitchen table bullshit bitch sessions come from, right, is when our leadership, whether it be the chief, the assistant chief level, division chief level, battalion chief level, doesn't matter, senior captain level, when they fail at their job. Because we love to bitch about why don't they do this? Mm -hmm. Why are they doing that way? Why can't they come down and do this simple? Why can't they just talk to us once in a while, right? Come down out of your damn ivory tower, come sit around our table and drink our shitty coffee. That's what we have. We don't have espresso machines. <laughs> we're going to drink our shitty coffee and listen to us ask you questions about why the fuck we still are dealing with fans because our AC is still out and it's July. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. You won't come down and talk to us. And so we are glad to bitch about you. But at the same time, we have to realize... We didn't train Derek how to be a captain. What we did is Derek took it upon himself to realize what a good captain should be in the lack of having good captains to mentor himself under, right? Absolutely. Uh, good captains don't become good BCs because they had good BCs to teach them. A lot of times we're doing it because we're looking at BCs going, what the fuck is wrong with that guy, right? I don't want to work for him. My guys deserve better. I'll go for the next test. I'll <coughs> test out for the next promotion because they deserve better. Or I'm testing so this guy doesn't get so the promotion. So that guy doesn't get it, exactly. <laughs> and yet then we look at our assistant chiefs now. That These guys are on 40 hours. There's not one ounce of pre-training to prepare them to ever take that position. And the guy before them 
has probably already retired by the time they sit in his chair. Mm -hmm. So they don't get but a few phone calls or emails to that guy asking him specific questions, and that none of us want to bother that guy in his retirement. So we wing it and figure it out, right? The fire service, South Bend Fire Department, has a horrible history of prepping our next generation, our succession planning. And therefore we do create the environment we live in where we have assistant chiefs who actually, some of which, present company excluded, are incompetent. <laughs> because they've never done the job they're actually asked to do today. And they've never actually heard how to do that job. From, from down here in the, in the ground, we've seen what the uh, EMS chief, the operations chief, the, the, the investigation fire marshal chief, the services chief, we've seen what they've done, but not actually known what happens behind closed doors, mm -hmm. right? Then all of a sudden they're there one day and they have no idea how that job actually is supposed to be run. And then we down here love to bitch about them for doing a poor job, which don't get me wrong, they're poor, doing a poor job. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> One of the things training has to do, one of the things that we as company bosses have to do, is we have to be nurturing that next generation to be prepared before the day ever comes that they test for that spot. So the testing for the spot is for a job I already know how to do. Well, and the, the training division is the closest to the street any admin position is. Should be, yep. It should be. Should yeah. Be. That's yeah. a good way to say it. Should be the, because you have a lot of influence yep. pushing operations down. That we do. But we do. We don't do a good job pre preparing, and then when they do get promoted, reinforcing, enhancing. Yes, we give yes. you a shift assignment and a station, and yep. here's your people. Yep. And and so like to to Greg's point, I, I know I feel like I know where you were kind of taking that is that's one of the missions that we've kind of given ourselves is in those moments where we appoint somebody to a, a TDY for 14 weeks or 20 weeks or 21 weeks to the academy or mm -hmm. officer school or driver operator school or whatever uh, is to give them a look behind that curtain and, and, and let them see some of that administrative side of things. Let yep. them deal with the state. Let them start navigating uh, some of those waters. And, and actually on the EMS side, they were really, really good at it. But on the fire side, we just, we did the work for so long yeah. that we had instructors coming up who didn't even know how to apply for a course. You know, um, and so that's something that we've had to take on ourselves is, you know, like now when we get these academy instructors in, it's like we set them down uh, and, th and it always happens. Like I give them what they want. We give them what they want. Mm -hmm. And then I take them to task because you're kind of setting them up a little bit. Right. So you take them to task. Oh, you were teaching history and, and uh, history and uh, traditions tradition of the fire service. Yeah. Why did you need five instructors for a six hour classroom session? Well, I. I just wanted to give people opportunities. Yeah, you literally just cost me $526 per recruit for that day's training. And so they get to see the back end of, oh, your decisions have consequences. Uh -huh. So um, it becomes then a balance of letting them to continue to grow in their position. And then I live kind of by the philosophy at eight seconds, I'm either getting demoted, I'm getting <laughs> smoked by a car, or whatever. Somebody else has got to come up and, and take over mm -hmm. um, my position. So succession planning is something that we haven't really done well within the organization. Um, I think that's fire service in general. Not, it is, every, it is, not no. everybody's FDNY it that is. has the, well, and, the and, officer and, academy. And all of, all of exactly. our white shirts are politically appointed. So just because we have a succession plan in place, 
doesn't mean that, that person's going to end up in that position. Mm-hmm. So, um, and at least the state kind of recognize that, and they pass that law where all new appointed career fire chiefs have to go through that, that, course, that yeah. fire chiefs yeah. academy. Yeah, is it the end all be all? No, yeah. no. But, but it's something. at least it gets you in a room discussing with other people. Well, we yeah. had this. I'm going to send this one out. So this exactly where you're going. So. We had some of our chiefs on our department recently take a leadership seminar that our city HR brought our speaker in for, right? So we're talking base level, I mean, if anybody has ever taken a, a, a leadership course, right? You can probably recite half the sayings and phrases this guy was gonna talk yeah. about. Cause he's painting a big picture because it's not about the fire service leadership, it's just about leadership. And it's a corporate level, yeah. city level type guy, right? So he's bringing in all, he's making a good living, being an expert driving away from home, 50 plus miles to give lectures and recite the same phrases that every leadership book uses, <laughs> right? Pushing platitudes. He's pushing platitudes, exactly. So he's bringing up, uh, 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 transparency and he's bringing up integrity and he's bringing up you know sayings like hey, you got to be there for the guys it's about the team you know but he never gives you any nuts and bolts on how you can employ that as a leader he just talks about those things right like every leadership book like every leadership seminar they regurgitate the same sayings over and over again and so I'm gonna tap into my boss man here so he these guys all came back he was busy so he did not attend the leadership seminar <laughs> Um, yes, these individuals, yeah, probably. These, these guys come back, and so, of course, it's about, you know, into, in mid-afternoon when they're done, and he comes walking in, and he goes, oh, so how was the training? Ah, oh, it was really good, you know? Uh, they don't want to ever pretend like it's the first time they've been to a leadership seminar, right? Oh, it was pretty good, you know, it wasn't bad. Yeah, it, it, really, it really hit home, you know, when he talked about, you know, you got to be there for the guys. And so one of the things that's nice about Brandon is he has realized he can't yell at his, 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 his peers because they'll just shut him down, right? They'll just ignore him. It's just Brandon again. However, when he asked him more, as he puts it, four pounds of pressure over 10 years, um, if you just put a little pressure on him by asking him a direct question that they have to now answer, you realize how they're not competent enough to answer that question. And so his question was, what does that mean to you? How do you employ that in your day-to-day life, saying that you're there for the guys? It's all about the guys. And that guy was lost. Yeah, what does it mean when you say you're going to put the guys first, the guys and gals first? That, that's where all these leadership programs, yeah. you know, they, they, they sell these platitudes, and you walk away, it's a feel-good session, and you walk away, and you, you don't have any better understanding of what that objective means to you as a leader within your organization you know it doesn't matter if this guy ran a plant you know that saw a 200 percent increase in in production they haven't dealt with five personalities in a firehouse <laughs> you know and, and what does it mean by putting your people first like what does it mean is it mean that you're willing to sacrifice your progression for that person or does it not mean that maybe does it mean i'm only going to and it's fine whatever your definition is i'm only going to invest 45 minutes into putting my people first every day. Okay, fine, so be it. But nobody ever walks away from there with a true understanding of what those platitudes mean to them. And how how, how do they use it every day? How do they use it every day? Well, Greg, you actually put servant leadership and I circled it because, you know, I believe in servant leadership and the principles, but I also have the other side where at some point, Mm-hmm. 
you need to be able to, as the servant leader, be able to have um, a release. Yep. Because if you keep piling it on, piling mm -hmm. it on, yep. piling it, taking on all this, and I don't like calling it a burden because to me, taking care of my people, my crew is not a burden. Sure. It's, oh, my, no. it's, yeah. it's what yeah. I do. Right. But sometimes servant leadership will tear you apart. Well, the way I define servant leadership, no, I'm wrong. This has been so two days after I graduated high school, I was in boot camp for the Marine Corps. A six and a half years combat veteran, I came out and joined the fire service. So my leadership training started young, mm. if you will. Um, and then at the time, didn't know anything about it, but I realized that after years later, my dad was the epitome of the perfect servant leader. So the definition of servant leader is, is definitely not I'm doing for my people, but in which I'm empowering my people and educating them that they don't need me to do it for them. That's and they know that. They know that, that they have the option, that they have the ability to solve their own problems. That's servant leadership. Yeah, giving them the tools. Giving them to the tools, giving them the education, being there for them when they're not sure. But that next time they don't need to even ask me. They can just figure it out. I love um, that. There's, uh, they're doing wrong. There's books out there. I mean, there's one out there called the Toyota Way. The Toyota Corporation does the exact same thing. They don't, they don't have everybody only has a certain role. Everybody can do every role. We're just asking you to do this one for the next five years. And so, therefore, you understand your cog in the wheel, you understand how the process works, and you can now also, while I'm working at where I'm working, knowing how the guy next to me, and the guy who cleans up after me, and the guy who resupplies my, my equipment so that I can punch out these fenders or whatever, I understand what their jobs all are, so I can now go, you know, if I did this different, their job would be easier. That's servant leadership. Oh, that's great, great way to explain that. That's. This is the Greg Show. Now you know why I fought for so long to get him to come into training. Yes. Because yeah. I mean, and here's the other thing: he knows that to be a servant leader for me he has to call me on my bullshit. You know, and, and mm -hmm. when I am disconnected, which is most of the time, or when I come up with this grand idea, I love it when he lets me do the things that I want to do and then allows me to fail. So I came up with this whole thing. We were going to do this driver operator program. It was going to be largely done in the firehouses, and then we were just going to provide like test sites for them. And they were, going to, it was going to be great. I don't know that we actually got anybody through that program. It was a complete, complete and utter failure. And I sold it to him. I sold it to him, and then he finally realized I was going to end up doing it anyway, and then uh, allowed me to do it. And it was a miserable, miserable <laughs> failure. Mm -hmm. Right there. Um, it was terrible and and all these guys took me to task on it and so that's the other thing that you have to do as a servant leader is you have to make yourself vulnerable to the feedback that you're going to get and i know like I, i'm pointing that out yes it's one, of my things, one of your things um is i find that i have a lot more success when i when i make myself vulnerable and put myself in the in the crosshairs and allow people to take me to task um some people won't do it because they don't feel like it's worth their time um but I'm a pretty sensitive dude. And uh, I lay awake night thinking about, I know, right? Um, what my people think about me and, and what the organization thinks about me and if I'm doing the right thing. Um, and, and I do, I, I lay awake about that a lot. And, and through vulnerability, I, I have become a better communicator and much more mindful um, of 
my impact on others around me. And a prime example is that, and I don't know if we ever talked about it, but it's, it's, it was kind of the, the big thing up here. And I'll have no problem sharing my, my failures, but I was in this role for, I don't know, two years. And we got, um, Steve Jones got promoted to the fire marshal, right? And then mm-hmm. um, he was going around the state mm-hmm. doing this, hey, I'm Steve Jones. This is, this is what I'm gonna do with the uh, fire service for getting all this money and all this stuff. And it was a very public forum that he had up here, and I was really irritated with the state, with the way that they were operating. And this is actually before John came on board with the fire academy, um, and so I was just angry. And um, he was pre- doing his presentation. I started taking him to task on some things, and um, I got him flustered a little bit because here's a guy that just got a bunch of stuff dumped in his lap, and he's just now starting to dive into the world that he's he's going to be swimming in for for the next while and so i just started banging out problem after problem with the state and uh he finally said something to me that i felt like was a political answer and i actually (laughs) knife handed him and yelled at him in front of 60 people and um when i left there i had tons of people pat me on the back and uh oh yeah thanks for sticking up for for you know the fire uh, fire departments and the fire training bureaus and this and that, and um, and I know I upset a couple people because it wasn't the time or place to do that. Steve had the um, compassion to call me a, a handful of days later, and and we talked through some of that. But I still wasn't relenting. Like I I still meant every single word that I said. And then I got a phone call from Zach Matthews, and uh, Zach offered to provide me some professional coaching. And I didn't know Zach. And, and so I didn't know him really. And um, so I, I embarked on this professional coaching endeavor uh, through Zach Matthews. And, and the, the, here's the thing, man. Like when you're getting assistance like that, it's, you already know what they're going to say. It's like, it's like going to a psychiatrist when you already know, you know what you got to do to get better or counseling or whatever. You know what they're going to tell you. I knew what he was going to tell me, but he, had, he held me accountable for it. And so I'd meet with him every uh, Monday at like 1130 in the morning. And a lot of times it was always remote, but he just held me accountable for me doing the things that I said I needed, to, that I said I was going to do and the things I needed to do. And, and it was all professional based. Well, then I went down to Muncie to do some uh, training with the live fire training uh, trailers that they got. And I ran into not only Zach, but Steve there. And, and I... T- I recognize that as an opportunity to, for me to rebuild my relationship with Marshall Jones, I had to make myself vulnerable in a very public forum to make myself, or to start building that relationship back. And, um, and I did that, and um, it's, it's yielded a lot of positive return. I, I think at this point, Marshall, and I don't want to speak for Marshall Jones, but I feel like he understands that we have frustrations um, outside of the halo with the state training um, and him hiring uh, Schaefer has, has done a remarkable job and Schaefer's gone out of his way to to smooth the processes and realign fire training in the state. And, and I'm, so, I mean, I think right now mm-hmm. our relationship with the state is pretty good, but it, it came at the cost of of my personal reputation. I mean, you've known me for a long time. Yes. You know I'm not afraid to stir the pot. Right. But that was probably the worst I've ever come at somebody. 
and for him to be gracious enough to to accept that um, apology um, means a lot. Well, your probably assumption is you're frustrated because you heard the same story over and over again, and, and then sure. we we wouldn't get any results, or the results were temporary. We change a curriculum, we get a new program, yeah, and it just continuously there was flaws. But, but the benefits I saw from making myself vulnerable to that individual is, are benefits that I continue to reap today by continuing to make myself vulnerable to not only the people that, that work beside me, but also below me, and ultimately those in the, the positions of politics. Um, I'm, I'm not gonna yield. Yeah. It's, it's not, it doesn't mean I'm gonna bend over and yield, but um, I think making myself vulnerable is, is has helped me develop and continue to to grow as a leader, and it's and it's a trait we don't teach enough, or or talk about enough. One, uh, one of the things I did when I was training chief, we did a company officer uh, lecture, and uh, I had the local leadership Johnson County come in. They did Meyer Briggs on all the officers, um, and then when they came back to break it down and explain your personality types and all that, um, I went and I arranged the room, so just like we did here, two tables joined up, four seats. So I got rid of the rows, because we know what we do as firefighters, we go to the back row. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So I got rid of the rows, but then I assigned seating. So I put the name tags already down. And I intentionally put some people together that I knew either one were complete different personalities or two were the same type mm -hmm. and didn't necessarily get along. And then um, it was crazy to watch people come in and the first thing they did, they found their name tag and they went to bring it, move, move, it, move it to where their buddy was sitting. Uh -huh. Sure. So I said, no, no, you can't, well, you got to sit there. And I had some people come up afterwards and say, now I understand why him and I butt heads because yeah. we're the same personality. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, so I made the whole room vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. And have to sit with people they necessarily didn't get along with. Um, was it short lived? Was it long lived? I don't know. It, it's hard to measure that. Uh, so that that's, I think the Meyer Briggs, the Meyer Briggs was great because my wife and I did the Meyer Briggs and realized. She's an introvert. You're, you're wrong and she's yeah. right. <laughs> Maybe realize that she's yeah. an introvert who's a school teacher. So mm. when she comes home, she needs she's her tank is drained. Sure. Mm -hmm. She needs to recharge and that's drink some coffee, watch some TV. Mm -hmm. And I'm the type that I come home, I want to get everything done so then I can watch TV. So mm -hmm. again, she was right. I was wrong. <laughs> I cooked dinner while she sat watch TV. I cleaned oh, but you know, there there's some value in that stuff, but if we're not providing those opportunities, you, you took a touchy subject for many years, state yeah. certification and training, and then made yourself vulnerable getting out there, but you also showed that people around here that you were going to make yourself an outcast or whatever to benefit more people than yourself. Yeah. Um, so that, that's, that's really tough to do. Um, Again, that's why I love you as a brother, <laughs> because uh, you're that type. Um, one thing I want to ask is, uh, 
and kind of go to the, the two com current company officers and the other two that were company officers can add afterwards. I've seen it in the fire service over and over and over again, you have a bad apple. You have, we heard your success stories as a company officer, you expect people 0700, they better be in uniform, they're gonna train, there's expectations and all that. So they're like, you know what? We're gonna send this bad apple to Derek. Pulls one of your guys off the rig, so now you get this bad apple. You do a good job. They may switch them back. The next bad apple comes around. Oh, Derek did a good job. Yeah. We're gonna send him back to mm -hmm. Derek. Mm -hmm. At some point, Derek doesn't want to be the good company officer anymore. And I've seen it where the good company officers or the great company officers just like, I'm tired of always training somebody and losing my guy. You don't have to say whether you experience that, but is that something that you you have heard from other people <laughs> that may have happened? And and how do you keep there's a book I love. It's a quick read. It's called Shifting the Monkey. And they talk about that. But it's more managers and stuff. And uh, But if you have anything to add, you may not. But uh. Yeah, I mean, personally, I've never, I have not had to deal with that um, yet. Um, I've been blessed with my crew. They all want to be there. They don't want to go anywhere. I think that speaks of the crew in the station that we have right now. Um, would I be opposed to that? No, I mean, I, I feel like with anything, as the company officer, that is your job too, right? To, to if somebody from the admin or a chief asks you like, hey, look, this person probably means well. I mean, I, they're probably not trying to be detrimental to the department, but it's just, maybe they just need to change the scenery. Maybe that would just change things for the person in general, you know? So getting assigned, um, Somebody that might just need extra work, extra training, more skills, more more time, uh, getting to do the things that uh, they haven't been able to. I mean, somebody else just recently came to us that wasn't getting the opportunity with training stuff because they were on an ambulance. Well, yeah, I've got an ambulance in the house. They're always invited to train. There's never a time where I do not invite them to come train with the engine. The invitations, maybe they're busy, maybe they got stuff going on and they can't, but there's. It's not going to be because of lack of, of why they're not getting it. So um, that maybe that's just a tidbit of it. You know, they wanted to come to the station where we're at um, to get what they were missing somewhere else. So I have seen it, not necessarily with me, but I have seen that good company officer keeps getting a bad apple to try to reform change I had a company mm -hmm. officer come into my office and and cut shut the door and I'll be honest with you I don't have an open door policy um, and, it, and it's because I'm too easily distracted and and so there's certain people that have access to me 247 um, but this particular captain came in and I could just tell when he started marching down the hall <laughs> so we, we have a motion light on my hall so as soon as somebody comes around the corner we know it yeah um, so he comes marching down the hall and comes in and just closes the door and you know, I got to talk to you and and so he unloads on how he's getting he, he recently got an individual that he didn't want and um, really wasn't qualified to be in the position that he got and then his other individual got promoted and so then he ended up getting another terrible individual that he didn't want 
And he was frustrated and he was done. He just, I'm just going to stop caring. And so I've experienced that on the other end when somebody's reached that threshold and is just tired of being the dumping ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I consider it an honor that they were willing to come to me to talk to me about it, but that's not my division. That's not my bureau. Um, and he's got a battalion chief. And, and so you got to coach them through that process and find out what the real issue is. Is it a personality conflict that you have with an individual? Is it their inability to perform on the fire ground? Is it, you know, uh, you know what, what are the, the big issues that you have with that individual? Um, and then, listen, if they're not going to work out, not everybody's meant to be mm-hmm. firefighter XYZ. And so not everybody's meant to be a member of this company. And if, we not, if we're not listening to those company bosses, now sometimes an individual nobody wants, right? And, in, and until, so we got a lot of questions our, ask ourselves then, how did they make it that far into the organization that they perform at a level where, or, the, or they have a personality such that nobody wants to be around them um, because that's a piss poor hire, right? Um, but how have they existed that long in the organization and why are we taking advantage of the good nature of our company bosses? Why are we not setting our company bosses up to be successful and to be proud and, and thrive um, in their environment? So, yeah, I've seen it happen. Um, I've never experienced it. I don't, have you? So I was going to make mention that um, I have experienced that, not necessarily as a company level officer, but when I was on the ambulance, the yeah. it happened all the time. You know, you'd get the flavor of the day or, hey, That's you know, the discipline vehicle, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, send him to Nick. Nick can get along with anyone. That's pretty much what I've uh, heard uh, a lot of my career. And, I mean, I am, I can get along with just about anybody just fine. But it's happened to that point where I got paired with somebody, drove me nuts. They're complete polar opposite of me. We did not mesh well. Um, but I did take it as a learning opportunity to get out of my comfort zone. I was used to people that were like my me, you know, we'd have a great time, we can do whatever, do no wrong. But it allowed me, like I said, push me out of my comfort zone and allowed me to grow to the fact that, okay, I have to learn about other people who are not like me. So kind of like what you're talking about with the classroom. Okay, okay this isn't gonna work with this individual. So now I've gotta learn this way. How do I interact with them? How do I try to get them on board to, hey, let's restock the rig after you get done at the hospital for <laughs> mop the flipping floor get the blood off there jesus how many times would you be willing to do that before you broke though that's just it you you notice that after a while it starts to wear on you it's like okay you finally get somebody there all right boom they move somewhere else you get somebody new as long as you had that break i think of a while that's one thing but if it's a constant rotation of you're getting that new rough individual oh man you've it wears you down i have seen it on other company level officers where they've always said, hey, send the new guy here. You he know what he's doing. He'll get him trained. And then those officers like, all right, I'm done. Shoot me out to the outside station and uh, just leave me uh, leave me alone. When that's that's a conversation I had with the chief officer recently was, you know, we, we throw out burned out. Somebody might not be burned out. They may just be burned up. Right. Mm-hmm. It's They still love the job. They want to come in. They still want to do the job. But they keep getting that situation and they just get burned up Good and it's man. just it kind of goes back to that that thing we were talking about earlier you know we're going to put our people first but what does that mean to you when you're in the position to put your people first yeah you know are, yeah. And, and we've had it for years we've got companies that are dumping grounds you know we've got companies that 
just send them out there. They're slow. It, it, that's where they'll do the least amount of damage. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a terrible, terrible day when that is the reason we use to move people around. Yeah. So mm -hmm. the, the reality of it is, is, you know, we do this with the officers. We'll take them and we'll put them in a safe place because they're underperformers or we can't trust them to make the good decision. So we're going to put them here where either somebody can watch them or we're going to put them in this slow, slow house where they're less likely to be confronted with that. Or we could do a real leadership thing and provide them the direction that they need to achieve a certain standard. And if they don't, take their red helmet away from them. Because mm -hmm. maybe there should be a consequence for not performing? There, there should be accountability across all aspects mm. of the job. That mm -hmm. is a weird concept. Wow. No, we do that. We, we, so a few years back, when I was still on the company, um, we were having staffing issues like a lot of departments were, and we, um, we had a few sick calls that day. And what was happening, way our, way our, uh, our chiefs would handle it out there at Double House. I had Engine 6 Truck 6 in my house, and I was the Engine 6 boss. <clears throat> and they would shut one of the Double House rigs down and take those personnel and disperse them where all the openings are at, right? So um, at that point, I've got like 28 years on the job. Uh, my driver has like 16 years on the job. My backstep has almost 20 years on the job. Actually, I think he had 21 years on the job. And all of a sudden, we become temporary firefighters to get TDY'd out to all sides of other houses. They're gonna shut our rig down. Not one of us bitched, not one of us complained. Where am I going? One guy went to an AMBO. One guy went to an engine five slow house. And the company boss here with 28 years went down to become the Engine 2 captain for the day, one of the busiest rigs we had. At a downtown area that I haven't been downtown in 15, 20 years probably, as the first due especially. So I think Derek took pity on me. I was relieving him in that morning. <laughs> and so he stayed over at Engine 2 to keep it up in service and then gave me a whole rundown of, hey, this is where we keep this on the rig, because every rig's got their unique stuff based on their district, right? So, hey, this is where we keep our rig. This is our little cheat sheet of where all the alarm panels are at and the elevator control boxes are at. He gave me the rundown of his rig. And it was nice enough to strip down his bed so I could use his bed. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, no problem. Didn't bitch, didn't complain. I'm going to the busiest house in the, in the city. You know, it's just, it's my turn. It's my due, uh, whatever. <clears throat> it wasn't until lunchtime around the table and the battalion chief who was also in house who made the choice to send us where we went tells me it was a reward for me. It was a pat on my back because, well, I really needed somebody down here. It was either you or this other captain who we all know is one of those guys who probably should never have been a captain. Um, he's only been in a position maybe two, three years, but he just, he, he, he's not got the skill set, right? Um, and I really needed somebody down here I could trust. And I said, oh. And the problem is I heard this BC had used the same example for why he moved a guy to an AMBO one day oh versus a young guy because the young guy is just incompetent, right? So you left the young guy stay in the fire truck and you put this senior so guy in there. bad influence. Yeah, you're rewarding bad. the bad influence and you're punishing the good influence. But in his mind, I really needed somebody I could trust. I said, why don't you take that and, and realize what you just said, Chief? And he looks at me and I go, my reward for being somebody you can count on to get the job done anywhere in this city at any given time and you took a guy with 28 years and stuck him in my own business engine company in the city. Broke up your company. And you broke up my company to do it. My guys are spread out across the city. I said, is that really a reward for me to be somebody you can rely on? <laughs> and 
he just, it was obviously the first time anybody had ever put the words to him in that way. And man, he was just like, and I said, so then I went on once I realized it sunk in, he was, he was hearing what I was saying. And I go, isn't that been your decision making of why you moved so-and-so to the AMBO again? You know, this is the third time in four day working days you've done that because, well, I needed somebody to go with that young guy because he knows what he's doing. Well, then how about you either train the young guy up or find this other guy and get him trained up? Instead of abusing a guy who shows up mm -hmm. to work every day on time, he's in uniform by seven o'clock, he's met the standards the good company officers have put on him, and that's his reward? Because that young guy who's only got four years on the job is already telling me, why bother? Why bother? Why am I doing that? Why don't I just take an outside house billet where they'll leave me alone? Mm -hmm. Right? So we're, we're, we're having our own decision-making models ruining those who have that passion and that fire. And we got to stop doing that. Mm -hmm. So, I lost my train of thought. Why is that? Because you're old. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we talked about good things. We talked about bad things. We want this podcast for people to learn, learn from it, too. So, we don't want to repeat mistakes, but what are some things that we've done as a fire service organization that we continually fail at with the organization or start and, to the left and do we need to do part three <laughs> <laughs> but uh i mean because you know we always say we we heard i learned from bad officers mm -hmm. so let's learn from past mistakes or some failures sure so i'll, I'll just start too with when i got on ems was not really push hard for a lot of us is okay you go in you get get your EMT through the academy or recruit school and then we had to get our uh, EMT intermediate that was our requirement so we go through get that then okay cool you do your time on the ambo and you'll be on the rigs no problem but it was never like really incentivized and obviously for me since now I'm the EMS guy uh, really is kind of helmet we need to push that camaraderie that cohesiveness between fire and EMS South Bend's the largest fire-based EMS service in the state, or the state of Indiana. So the fact that we are the largest, we need to set that model forward, which we're getting better at, but I don't think we've really done a great job over the years of blending that together. I think we've had the issue where we've had you know, those old salty guys are completely anti-EMS. They don't want anything to do with it. They'll hold a door for you, but that's about it. Um, but now we're really trying to push home, hey guys, this is your job. You're gonna be on an ambulance. You're gonna have to do EMS. It doesn't matter where you are, or what you're doing. This is a bulkier job. Might as well do a good job at it. So really trying to push home the fact that, hey, learn to do it, accept it. Don't just think you're getting on the fire service here and gonna ride a fire truck and never gonna touch an EMS bag or a patient. But that being said as well, branching to the training side of things, you know, we run Good programs we've always had a high success rate because our ems train's been built to you're going to pass this test okay that's great I, i'm happy we can pass the test but i want to make sure that we have people that can pass the test and operate out in the field so when we turn you loose on an ambulance i know you're going to do the right thing you're going to make the right calls so really trying to get to that point and you know we're trying new things all the time so for our advanced emt class we're doing right now i've been kind of kicking it around for the last couple of years like you know what, let's try this flip classroom model you know, I've read a lot of great things about it. It's going to be amazing. And I was like, you know what? Let's just do it right now. Pull the bandaid off. And let's just finally do it. 
Yeah, no, it kind of bombed. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the point where the students were, one, they are too afraid to tell me anything. Oh, no, we like it. This is great. This is awesome. I'm like, okay, well, it seems fake. Um, <laughs> but then the instructors, um, a few of them were, as you know, Brandon would say, were being told, yeah, you can pound sand. This new style sucks. <laughs> but you know, they brought up on, hey, I want to do lectures. I want to stand in front of the classroom and tell people what to do. I'm like, well, that's not the most effective. We already know that that's not an effective right. way. Um, so what ended up failing was the fact that I didn't roll it out right. Instead of just pulling the bandaid off and saying, hey, let's go ahead and do this. What I really should have done was, all right, all my instructors, let's get together. I want to show you what this model is, what it is we're trying to do, and why we're trying to do it. I just said, hey, here's what we're doing, do it. So my instructors didn't buy into it, and they were showing their disinterest in the classroom during the classroom portions, and the students were very confused because you know they're coming to class and, well, we're not going over the chapter. What do I need to know about the human body? Well, you should have read the book. You know, you should have did the online PowerPoint through the manufacturer. Okay, well, what's important about the human body? It's like, oh, we're not really hammering that home. So we're trying to fine tune it and one, better instruct our instructors how, what, how to do what we want to do, get that vision out there, show them how to get to that point. That's a big thing. Um, but then also making sure the students understand. Uh, that was probably my recent largest mass scale failure. Um, <laughs> Besides the boner report. Uh, <laughs> the only thing is, is you can't be disciplined more. You're already an EMS. <laughs> There's always a bigger fish. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's that kind of stuff that, you know, trying with the new training programs. Like I said, we talked about how we used to do EMS training where once a month you come in and you sit there for two hours and you play on your phone. You don't listen to the lecture. Well, now we try to change it, okay? Let's not go back to the EMT pathophys lecture and talk to you about it. You guys already know the basics. Let's rehash and change it, some new things. Let's put some skills to it. It'll get you out of your seats. Find something for you to do that's a hands-on thing. Because, I mean, the Edgar Dale Cone of Learning, you know, you'll only remember 10% yeah. of what you talk about the Cone of Learning? I did. I had to throw that out there. Wow. Such a dork. <laughs> <laughs> but then as you go down, you learn more. So it's just trying to push that upon the students, our own guys, and then ultimately trying to better instruct our instructors how to do a better job. Awesome. Me? Darren. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm gonna try to keep it simple. Um, I think it's just informing people. I mean, really, I feel like a lot of the things I come out, I'm just gonna relate this more, I guess, maybe to the company officer type stuff, maybe not the full training bureau skills and drills yes we're going to do those we're going to hammer those home but i think there's a lot of things i come across throughout the course of a shift or a week or a month like i'll run about i'm like oh we need to train on this but it's simple stuff i think that you come across because somebody's just not informed they just didn't know they're unaware right i mean it's the three use they're unaware of they were supposed to do it that way or there's a better way to do it and it's just informing people i think it's just the simple um Training bulletins that we can pull out, put out, mm -hmm. are going to be really beneficial because they're simple and to the point, and they're just getting information out to the companies. There are things that they can do on their own. They're just like, oh, man, why is the rope on the five inch in the back of the truck? Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, why do we? There's have a rope to it. Like, right, you don't have to step up and reach up there to grab the coupling. You can just 
grab that rope and just like why is it there? The I, mean, I see so many people yes, jump up and then they're risking twisting an ankle, yep. hopping Going off the tailboard. Well, why is the rope there? Not to grab. Yeah, it is to grab, isn't it? So um, <laughs> I would just man. recommend that training bulletin not be too long. One yeah, page. One, one page, page back. Perfect. One page back. Because people will read the whole okay. thing if it's over a couple And we'll pages. even include pictures. <laughs> Sometimes videos. Yeah. Yeah. So I keep it at that, just being better informative. Mm-hmm. More informative for people just to learn. Just because if one person didn't understand it, you, there's, there's others. Bound to be. I think that's a big one. one is a lot of guys are like, well, I didn't know that's what, what you wanted or mm-hmm. yeah. what we were supposed to do. Yep. Yeah. And then you got the percentage that will never ask. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They yeah. But those will, they'll, they'll happily sit there ignorant because they're not willing to ask. Yeah. Let's go out there and try and figure this out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look yeah. like dumbasses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. I'll, I'll echo what what Derek said with communication. Um, it's it's always whether it's on the fire ground, whether it's a line of duty death, whether it's uh, inner office communications. We're terrible at it. I'm terrible at it. Um, we need to be a lot more informative to to the body about what's going on and, and the direction that we're taking the organization. Um, so that has to be communicated out. Um, and then ultimately, and this is probably why you poked me earlier and smiled real shitty, is um, <laughs> accountability. Accountability across the board. Um, and that accountability only starts with clear, clearly defined roles and expectations. Um, and in the absence of that, I can't get angry at somebody when they don't have clearly defined roles and expectations. And I can't get angry with them when they do have those clearly defined expectations, but their officers aren't holding them accountable. Um, and so, it, you know, it, it's, it's all the way from the top politicians all the way down to, to the lowest firefighter. And it, start, it has to start at the top um, and, and come down. So. Um, accountability is is huge, um, and it's not a dirty word. Like people think, oh, accountable. It, it's it's like discipline. Yeah, it's discipline not. is a big it, word. It's it's not. It's it's just a maintaining a consistent environment in your. I don't want to use the word environment twice in the same sentence. Uh, in, in your space, <laughs> to 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 be uh, all trendy and whatnot. Um, maintaining that that consistent space so that when people move outside of that they know what they're going into and what to expect and so there's nothing more demoralizing than being at a company that has no rules no expectations and then going to a company that does or vice versa uh, going from a company that has incredibly high standards and then getting sent out to a company where they don't do anything and it's just it's unacceptable so accountability. Nice. Did I take yours? No. Oh, <laughs> if you did, he's probably got three more. Yes. <laughs> Easily. Um, got too many years of them. So um, I think one of the biggest failures that we've had at South Bend, um, it has multiple uh, results of the failure, right? So when we want to say about um, uh, lack of accountability, lack of communication, lack of these—they're all kind of symptoms of some similar one-headed type object, right? <clears throat> and so, to me, we have failed to create a culture where we 
encourage people to thrive and at the same time the safe space to allow them to fail right the reason why majority of people won't ask the questions because they're f afraid of looking stupid mm -hmm. right the public embarrassment right but we've created a culture where that's not okay right it's one thing to, to bust your balls about a little bit because we're a little tighter we're closer friends but in the end, you also knew it was okay to fail in front of me. It was okay to try. It was okay to take that other seminar, to go to that FDTN course, to go outside this department and bring it back um, to improve us. Take your passion, throw the fuel on it, push you down the road that you told me you want to go down. Not the one I want you to go down, but the one you want to go down. Because then that passion and that culture within the fire service and firehouse just is it, it it starts spreading like a wildfire then right it's that it's that exposure that's two foot apart you've got two houses going now instead of one because all of a sudden derek's culture in his house because he's laid out the expectations for what it takes to succeed and and thrive here to the point where those guys don't call in sick very much they want to come to work they want to hey cap hey next week can we work on this in training because mm -hmm. i feel a little weak on that lately we haven't had to have deal with that right they're instigate instigate instigated you know what i mean they're starting the fucking topic to move <laughs> forward of where they want to go right they're not just sitting there waiting for somebody to right. tell them what to do but now i work overtime on derek's rig and i catch them being in their uniforms at seven o'clock and speaking positively and joining in everybody's helping out with house chores everybody's helping out with chow everybody's going out and doing training and we're all talking awesome about it and we're talking about the next time we're going to go do training and we're sitting in here watching dash cam video together to go hey what would i have done if i was first due on this call right so i take that back to my shift now and at my house and i'm like hey cat these guys over here that's kind of cool and it, it starts creating that culture where I want to be a part of that. I feel like I'm being left out if I'm not a part of that. And we at South Bend, that's what we have failed at. We've failed at encouraging that culture. We've allowed Derek to have his culture at his house. But we haven't allowed that to be something we want to spread. And let him do his way. Let Nick do his way on his rig, right? Let the chief do it through his way through the training division and my way at the training center on how we're going to operate at the same time all we're doing is encouraging people to want to be better and love the firehouse the way I loved the firehouse 31 years ago and still to today. But it's because I had to keep my own flame alive, right? And, don't, and then that, any way you do that, it's another way of doing it. It's just, you just got to surround yourself with people that are willing to call you on your bullshit, right? You guys don't know me. I can be spouting off all kinds of crap. There's no way he'd allow this to be bullshit coming out of my mouth because he knows me well enough and I want him to go, dude, you're failing. It's okay to fail. This is where you failed. Do you know that? Yeah, not just pointing out. I see that. I didn't look at it before. I got blinded. Thanks. I'm back on track. Wheels are on the track. We're moving forward. We're on the mission to succeed. We've got to create that. You've got to cultivate that amongst your firefighters who see you every day. You know, and uh, I think that's our biggest failure. But it's also our biggest way to find how you you turn the corner from a department that's been stagnant that's being held down a little bit by some of our leadership not wanting to act not holding themselves accountable therefore holding nobody else accountable um we got to create our own culture of no it's okay to be excited to come to work it's okay to go to class it's okay to be better tomorrow than we were today mm -hmm. so that me retiring in a few years turns around and all i see is these guys going glad you got out of the way and the way they go and I've, I've helped develop that. That's what it's supposed to be about. 
And I don't care if you're in training, I don't care if you're in suppression, I don't care if you're EMS, Truckee, uh, uh, administration, hey, but you're all about community risk reduction. Dude, knock it out, man. Be good at what you do. Be good at what you do, have a passion for it, and actually make it move the needle. Mm -hmm. Move forward, right? And we as a fire service, that's what we're trying to do. Um, and I, I feel like we are being successful with that um, to our degree. And that's, that's the key. We gotta quit failing at holding people back and allow them to run, man. Next thing you know, man, we're all looking good because of that guy. Dude, I'm, I'm all about it. Go, man, go. You know? And um, that's what we've failed. And I think that's our path on, on correcting the failure. Damn. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty good. Uh, I. We're catch to, me when I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> we're probably. Well, how far are we into this one? Uh, we're only 135. 135. You have four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm gonna go ahead and start landing this. Uh, finish with our the the endings, but we still got a couple things. So, at the end of every episode, I end up. You know, doing a quote. Sure. Yeah, a lot of times the quote comes to me while we're here, and I gotta look for it. This one I looked ahead, but it's, it's kind of relevant to what we're doing here. So, um, the near the end of uh, episode quote sponsored by Axe Head Threats is the mediocre teacher tells, the good teacher explains, the superior teacher demonstrates, the great teacher inspires. That was William Arthur Ward. I did not know him. He's old. He, Greg, you didn't know him no, either. No, I'm pretty he's sure. Older than me, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but that kind of. I mean, was he assigned? To, was he assigned to nuns? <laughs> yeah, he probably <laughs> So, listening to the four of you gentlemen here, you got a good thing going. You're hitting those. I mean, you guys are inspiring people. You guys are demonstrating. You guys explain and you guys are telling. Um, I, I'm really impressed with what you guys have going on here. Um, it's it's awesome. I mean, it's easy to say, oh man, that's got to be a great department because they got a training center, or they got a beautiful conference room that can hold 200 people. But it really, it's the people here, the the people that make it. Our union has its own restaurant and bar. That's a yes. plus. <laughs> yeah, that is. That is. So that is very impressionable. Yeah. There, I, this this venue is awesome. But uh, I, I really appreciate you guys coming on. Um, I I couldn't even write down because I was there's so much going on. Uh, fortunately, it's recorded. Um, I'm impressed. Um, in my in my mind and my heart right now, I just gained three more brothers. I mean, I, I've known Brandon for a while, but I mean, Nick, Derek, and Greg, um, thank, thank you for doing this. I mean, this is awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, so keep up the great work. Um, the last thing, got one more question. Okay. This is near. This is the end of the episode. Question. This is sponsored by One Eight Hundred Board Up. If you could sit on a park bench with anybody who has passed before us, who would it be? I will tell you that my answer, I brought up when they interviewed me, my answer was uh, Chief Croker from FDNY. Mm -hmm. That was one. So uh, anybody can start? Simple question. 
So simple. <laughs> so simple. Um, and I don't ever ask that. A lot of people hate Dale for this question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like asking it, telling people to prepare for it. I, I kind of like what comes up. I say, I'll be honest with you, mine's pretty easy. It's no one famous. I'll say, mine would just be my grandma. That's Every week I'd go over to her house. You know, we'd have you know chats very similar to this. So, you know, she'd have no experience with what I might be talking about. Great listener, able to spit fire back. And I would love to do that again. That's awesome. Me? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's so many. I was wondering if there was going to be different levels, like, oh, a famous person or a sports player or a fire, yeah. you know, somebody in the fire service. But List them all. I mean, so I, I was going to say my grandfather, just because knowing him, yep. he was in the Navy, he was a carpenter, tradesman. Being able to sit and have that conversation as being an older, adult, grown man um, would be different than hanging out with him when I was just a kid. Mm -hmm. So. Um, but I'll throw a sports person in there. Nick Swisher. Awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yankees fan. <sighs> Want me to go? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I, um, it's hard when you say one, yeah. right? Because there's a lot yeah, of people tough. that, that uh, I could fall for on that one. Um, but honestly, uh, it's kind of crazy. Colin Powell. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, if you want me to go first, um, I've read a lot of his books. Um, obviously, being a military man myself, he's a military man. We got some background there. Um, but as polished as he is of a human being, you know, he was in the political eye, right? Obviously, and that kind of thing. Joint chairman uh, during Gulf War and that kind of thing. Uh, he's, he held a lot of different uh, politically appointed positions, as well as his military positions. But he was also um, a black man coming up through the 60s and having to deal with all of that. Um, and yet he, he has done it all with grace. And to have a conversation with him and not necessarily ask him about his life. I've read his books, I kind of get it, right? Um, but to ask him how I should do things. When I'm encountered with this in life, what would you recommend? Type of things like that. To get somebody else's perspective, that don't get me wrong, we have very different backgrounds growing up. Um, I just have learned to respect people like him who have had to encounter a lot of things in life that were wrong and bad, but they did it with grace and they succeeded. So, yeah, that'd be Colin Paul. I'd hang out with him every day. Nice. <laughs> <sighs> I, don't, I don't have the familiar experiences that you guys had my 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 family wasn't uh, so I'm, this is a difficult one for me I I in the most recent years and, and Greg and I talk about this a lot I have found the most inspiration through um, or Marcus Rilius. Um so I, I really I can I can read his meditations over and over and over again. I can listen to them, and it and it, it makes me that much more mindful of, of where I am. And it puts a lot of things into perspective. Um, gaining exposure to to um, some some of the 
ancient and Eastern philosophies have, have really helped me out. Uh, and I'm not as super, like I'm not, I'm not going to stand up here and pound my fist and say that everybody needs to, to dive into, you know, the, the teachings of Marcus Aurelius or Seneca or, or uh, you know, Gandhi or, or, you know, insert any of the other great minds. But, man, I would, I would like to know the context at, at a, a lot of the things that he, he wrote. Because I don't think the world's that much different than it was then. Um, but to be able to draw parallels from the world that I'm living in and the world that he was living in um, and, and some of those universal facts that just continue to get perpetuated in, in every philosophy and every religion time and time again, I think would be really cool. Um, the other person would... I know I'm only supposed to do one. Um, yeah, we only got one. I know, I know, I know, I um, know. So Marcus really has got it. <laughs> Thanks for being here, guys. <laughs> um, they're not dead yet. I've had too many people that have been so inspirational to me. Um, and, you know, I, I tell Greg this all the time. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of role models growing up. But every time I needed one, there was one. Mm. And um, so there's a gentleman, my former captain up, up in Fairbanks, that we meet every year at FDIC. And every time we see him in the hall, I get scared because I think he's going to yell at me again. <laughs> um, but he's, he's the guy that is, is my barometer for if I'm doing the right things or, or whatnot. He's not dead yet, so, uh, but I'll, I'll, take, I'll take time with that man any day. A cigar and a, and a stogie, maybe invite him to the sixth floor. Yep. So, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Marcus Aurelius is an illusion. I don't, I don't know what he'll bring to the thing, yeah. to, to the conversation, but I know what Ben will bring to the conversation. Mm -hmm. And so, he's not dead yet. Brandon, Greg, <laughs> Derek, and Nick, thank you. Uh, thank you to the South Bend Fire Department Training Division. Thank you to South Bend Firefighters 362. Yep. 362. Uh, for the venue. This is a goal. This is a goal this for us. Is, that yeah, one. This is for us. We have espressos, but we don't have. We do you have espressos. <laughs> we but, have shitty coffee with these guys. <laughs> there you go. I feel like home there. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I want to thank you, uh, Chief. This, this worked out real well. Uh, I love the round table component of this. Yep. Um, the hospitality. Uh, I don't know why you called for snow, but you did. So to wrap this up, uh, do you have anything to add before I close it? Uh, we'll just thank our sponsors again. Uh, Flame Decon. Go over there, check Tara's product out. Coupon code KTP15, 15% off. Decon, decon, decon. She'll yell at us if we don't say it. <laughs> Uh, Charge the Line Design. He's doing amazing things over there. Great product. Uh, another code KTP15 for 15% off. Uh, holidays right around the corner. Axe Threads. Uh, you know, they're they're huge for us. So uh, we thank them. Can't thank them enough. And one hundred one hundred board up. So, uh, with that being said, I'm going to close it out. Can I throw one plug? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Any of you guys. Yeah. Stay, keep your eyes open for the, the uh, registration announcements coming from Lake Effect Fire Conference. It's going to be another kick-ass year in 2024. Uh, and if you're not going to firemanship, it opened up today. So, those, uh, those tickets are selling fast.
we'll, we'll so, throw that link in the uh, in yeah. the description, um, and uh, maybe we'll uh, head up. That's what I want off off the yeah. uh, microphone. <laughs> I want to talk to uh, <laughs> Chief about uh, you know coming out and just yeah. wandering around with the camera oh, and moments and uh, you know hook up again, maybe without microphones and just have a talk offline. But uh, again, thank you. Uh, just again, I want to reiterate. Uh, stay educating be a mentor uh, train 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 do the right thing uh, be who they want you to be and remember we are here to protect them we are we protect our brothers and our sisters in the fire service but we are here to protect them great decision-making model is when you make decisions always think about them the department, your shift, your crew, and then yourself last. So with that being said, uh, we're going to sign off and uh, another great presentation episode. So we will see you the next time. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Kitchen Table Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion on firefighting, the importance of training, and the incredible bond of brotherhood that unites firefighters. If you'd like to stay connected with us and access more insightful conversations, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to spread the word. And remember, stay safe out there because together we're stronger. Until next time, take care. Stay tuned for more inspiring stories from the front lines of firefighting.